Hello and welcome back to another episode of Soccer from the Zoo's Kansas City Soccer Update. I'm Kyle Pinnell. It's Tuesday and that means it's time for yet another preview episode breaking down three games this week. Two for KCNWSL, one for Sporting Kansas City, and I do believe this is the first double game week for KCNWSL taking on Chicago at home, the home opener, regular season home opener, 7 p.m. Central Time. Then they have a trip to Orlando, Florida to take on the Pride 5 p.m. Central Time kickoff um, over the weekend. So very exciting week for KCNWSL, and that is, of course, where I will start. First, looking at the Chicago team, as always, I'm going to break down lineups, look at a few keys, bring up some more points that I've kind of noticed doing some research on both teams. Chicago, it's a team familiar to KCNWSL, at least a little bit. They both played during the Challenge Cup, and for the most part, it's a fairly similar roster. In goal, Alyssa Nair, looking at the back line in this 4-3-3, is Sarah Gordon at left back, Tierna Davidson at left center back, Kayla Sharples at right center back, and Casey Kruger at right back. Midfield three, Daniel Colaprico, Morgan Gatro and Rachel Hill. Big name missing there, Julie Ertz, who suffered a, I believe it was like MCL sprain that will keep her out several weeks. Uh, so she, against Portland when they played. So she will not be available for Chicago. Looking at that front line, fairly similar to what KC faced before. Mallory Pugh on, left wing, on the left wing, Kalia Watt. Uh, as a striker or a forward, Vanessa DiBernardo out on the right wing. That's their 4-3-3. Now, you look at this roster for Chicago. Mallory Pugh is the name that stands out to me. She's had, I think she had a goal in the Challenge Cup. Hasn't scored this season yet, and that's another point I do want to bring up. Chicago has not scored a goal in the regular season. A nil-nil draw against New York, New Jersey, Gotham FC. That is a mouthful. And then a 5-0 loss against Portland, so no goals for them yet. Mallory Pugh, very, very talented player, a well-known name just because of her time with the national team, a young star in that system, and playing for Chicago now on the wing. She's very fast, very direct. When Chicago can get out on the break, she is capable of creating opportunities by herself by getting past defenders on the wing. So making sure to watch out for Mallory Pugh. That is actually my first key to this game. Now, you look at these results. Of course, they struggle to score. They don't have a lot of confidence right now. And this is a Chicago team used to being near the top of the NWSL table each and every year. Not the start that they want. Even in the Challenge Cup, they struggled to score goals. And you look at the team they have, and there's still some danger there. I just mentioned Pugh. She created three chances against uh, Gotham, which is the most of anybody on the Red Stars in that game. Kalia Watt, she's a pretty good striker when she can get onto the ball. Vanessa Bernardo, you look at the midfield, it's fine too. Uh, Gatro, she missed the game against Portland, which could have played a factor in that blowout, or at least a little bit. She's very silky smooth on the ball. She's a pretty good uh, player, of course, has past national team experience. Rachel Hill, you look at a midfield... It's solid, but you're missing a huge key piece and protector of that backline in Julie Ertz, and that is where another one of my keys comes in. Take advantage of Chicago's backline. Tierna Davidson and Kayla Sharples 
Davidson is a very young player with some talent. Of course, she's been caught up to national teams before, but they did not look good in that first game against Portland. Lots of miscommunication between that back line and Alyssa Nair, and it, it was ugly. 5 nothing. Eventually, they gave up. They were able. They were pretty much bursted past, I guess, by pace by Morgan Weaver and Sophia Smith against Portland. You just look at that backline tandem still getting into rhythm. I think that's an area that Casey can exploit, um, especially again going back to the point. Julie Ertz not there to shield that backline, and another thing that impacts not just the two center backs. You look at the outside backs and Sarah Gordon and Casey Kruger. Kruger, of course, is such a talented player, so fast, able to cover a lot of ground on that right wing. And Gordon will kind of do the same on the left wing. She doesn't have that pace, but she's pretty solid. Without the cover of Julie Ertz able to step into the back line, play defense, and and come up with some of those challenges to make sure that opponents can't get into those dangerous areas, Chicago's a lot more vulnerable. It limits what the outside backs want to do as far as them having to play a little deeper. They don't have as much freedom to get forward because they don't have the cover in a Julie Ertz. And like I said, Gautreaux, she she's playing more of a centralized midfield role, but she does not have the tackling ability that we all know that Julie Ertz has. So that is definitely an area for KCNWSL. You look at maybe a Victoria Pickett in there. You look at um, Vasconcelos or... Amy Rodriguez dropping back into that area, that can be exploited. Confuse the back line, confuse that center back pairing, and that could result in some good things for KCNWSL come um, the game, which I think is midweek, actually, um, just because of that Orlando game. And then my last point here, you got to slow down that right attacking side from Chicago. That was my point in the last time these two teams played. And it, it is, again, again, Kruger... Very, very talented at, at causing some havoc down the right. Vanessa DiMernardo, Rachel Hill. That's a pretty solid side. You look at the left, that's solid as well. Uh, with Pew and Colaprico, Sarah Gordon. I've seen Mallory Pew play both sides. So even though I have her right now starting on that left wing, because that's what she did against Gotham, they could easily switch wingers right here and have Vanessa DiBernardo go out left and Mallory Pew go right. And that's that will be very dangerous and something that Casey has to deal with. If you have Mallory Pugh, Casey Kruger, and Rachel Hill going down one side. So it's something to be cognizant of and not letting them create too many of those overloads that they want to create. I mean, at the end of the day, for me, against the Chicago team, this is a Kansas City team that ha has some momentum. A late equalizer by Taylor Leach against Houston. A positive result, albeit not a win yet. This team has not come up with a single win yet, and they're still looking for their first. This is a, as good of an opportunity as any. A home opener against a Chicago team lacking confidence, hasn't been able to find the back of the net. All it takes is one or two opportunities, and, and you get a player like Amy Rodriguez to pounce on something like that. However KC wants to set up, that could be dangerous. Now, before I shift to looking at the Orlando game, I do want to go through KCNWSL and the roster that they ran out last time against the Houston Dash for that 2-2 draw. Very exciting game. Unfortunately, another one point for KC. Just going in, the, in this last formation was a 4-2-3-1. Nicole Barnhart starting in goal once again. Along the back line, Katie Bowen at left back. Rachel Corsi at left center back. Taylor Leach, of course, the equalizer, right center back. And Christian Edmonds at right back. Now, Elizabeth Ball started the last game at left back. She was also given um, two yellows in that game against Houston, so she has 
a red, so she'll be suspended for this game against Chicago. However, she could be back for the Orlando game, so take it with a grain of salt. The two midfield double pivot right here, Gabby Vincent, Victoria Pickett. Again, I can't say enough good things about Pickett, and she's going to be a very good player in this league, always fun to watch. You look at the three above them, Darian Jenkins out left, Michelle Vasconcelos playing centrally right under striker Amy Rodriguez, and then Mallory Weber playing on the right side of that three sitting underneath the striker. So that's kind of what Casey did in the last game, what Coach Hugh Williams employed. Now it's been changing every game. We've seen a 4-1-4-1. We've seen a 4-3-3. We've seen a 4-2-3-1. Does he get uh, Mariana Larroquette back on the field and have her play alongside uh, Amy Rodriguez again? There's just so many different things to see. Who knows if Elizabeth Ball being uh, unavailable changes the equation. There, There's a lot to see there, but I just, of course, like every week, I go with the lineup that was run out in the last game. Of course, the 2-2 draw against Houston. This is a Kansas City team that feels like they're getting closer and closer to 2 A very exciting game. The ability to get that equalizer late in the game, continuing the show fight, it just feels so it would feel so right for Kansas City to pick up their first win in their home opener uh, against Chicago. I think that would be an exciting opportunity for them. And, and usually in these preview shows, I'm going to preview more of the opponent than talk about KC, which I will do more on Fridays. But that's just a little bit of a potential lineup. Some things I've seen recently from KC going into that game against Chicago. Now looking at Orlando, we're going to go through the lineup now. They also like, or they play more of a 4-2-3-1, I should say. Aaron McLeod at goalkeeper for them. Then you look at left center back, or, or left back, I should say, Courtney Peterson, left center back, McLernan, Ali Krieger at right center back, Ali Riley at right back. You look at the double pivot for Orlando, Maggie Doherty and Gunnar Jean's daughter. And you look at the three playing under striker Alex Morgan. Of course, everyone knows who Alex Morgan is. Sydney LaRue, Marta, Taylor, Korniak. There, you look at that's a lot of attacking talent, especially in that trio of Alex Morgan, Sydney LaRue, Marta playing under her. That's a very talented Orlando team. Now it's an odd Orlando team. And Paul Riley, the head coach of the North Carolina Courage, noted that. He said something along the lines of two years ago, this was an Orlando team that tried to play pretty, playing out of the back and, and trying to pass through pressure. Well, that they haven't been doing that lately. They and he noted now they don't do that. They play a counter-attacking brand of soccer. They will sit back and they will pounce. You look at those fast forwards right there. Alex Morgan, so lethal on the counter, still has that speed after her extended time off and then overseas. And, and Cindy LaRue still pretty good. She can find the back of the net. Marta, of course, is so good in transition as well. It's a very dangerous Orlando team that wants to go. And Paul Riley says this after a 2-1 loss to Orlando, North Carolina Courage loss to Orlando, in which Orlando had 41% of possession and made those opportunities count. Alex Morgan is scoring once again. Marta, I mean, you look at that attack, and that's where where you, you kind of look to find the game and the entertainment factor there. Now a broader look a team that's going to play and sit back with 41 percent possession not looking for the ball but looking to play in transition you're going to have two or three moments in which there will be a counter attacking opportunity and and then those will dry up now 
That doesn't make for the most entertaining game. You're not going to see, like Paul Riley said, Orlando try and play through Kansas City's pressure. Instead, Kansas City will have to have the onus with the ball, and that's where I'm going to start my keys for this game for KCNWSL. They need to be able to sit back, be comfortable sitting back, not completely pressing, and be ready to play with possession and unlock a lower sitting block in Orlando. Now, if they sit back, especially without the ball, that entices Orlando to come further and further forward, especially at home. And that's exactly what Kansas City should want. They want to force Orlando to play with the ball, not finding spaces in behind. And even if that means a very boring game in the middle third, you might see chance after chance for Orlando. It's better than them getting in transition, finding one or two passes to unlock the game. All of a sudden, you have Alex Morgan running in behind on a ball. She finishes right past Barnhart, and you have an interesting game. Then Orlando sits back and bunkers even more. That is something that Casey cannot afford. So for them, they've got to be able to sit back and also compact space, force Orlando, uh, the Orlando Pride, to play through them. And and if, if they can, good for them. If not, Casey will have some opportunities against this Pride team. Another key that back line for Kansas City, whoever is playing in that role, whether it be Rachel Corsi or Taylor Leach or anyone else, they've got to be able to track Alex Morgan at all times. She's not what she was in her prime, but she can still put the ball in the back of the net. As I said, she scored against North Carolina. She's still very fast, and she will stretch this Kansas City team, trying to find space or create spaces, I should say, between that back line of um, Orlando and the midfield. Now, when she can do that, it allows Marta and Cindy LaRue to work in those spaces under and, and, and take advantage. And all of a sudden, that's how Orlando gets its bread and butter. So for Kansas City, preventing that means not allowing those spaces and being able to track Alex Morgan, who will be more than happy to sit back and back and then make a off-shoulder run off of one of the center backs in the space. And Orlando can exploit that. So... Just being aware of that is an important point in this game. And then Kansas City likes to press, and it's finding the right moments to do so. Like I said, ideally they would want to sit back and force Orlando to attack them. Now, they also want to play their game, and, and that means pressing at the right moments. If Orlando tries to build out of the back, if at all, that's some of those uh, pressing cues. Take them and try and force mistakes and then pounce. Pounce on them. Take advantage of the opportunities, especially against a lower-sitting team. When you can catch them in a transition moment, that's how goals come about. As soon as they get set, they it's going to be hard to break down, and that's why when Kansas City gets the ball, they can't be content to pass backwards or sideways and around. It's got to be going forward because Orlando will all of a sudden come back, get numbers behind the ball, and then you're looking at breaking down a tough uh, defensive side once again. So looking at those keys... Just being able to track Morgan, sitting back and allowing Orlando maybe to attack you a little more if you're Kansas City, and then knowing what moments when to press, mostly to sit back, but then pouncing once you get the ball on a turnover and exploiting those transition moments are some keys that could help Kansas City come away with points in Orlando in a tough environment um, down in Florida. So those are all of my points and keys and all of that stuff for KCNWSL this upcoming week again two games one at home the home opener 7 p.m. and then against Orlando that will be at Orlando 5 p.m. central time 
Now, there's not as much for me for Sporting Kansas City looking at their game against uh, the Houston Dynamo. That's a 7.30 p.m. kickoff at Children's Mercy Park. First full capacity Sporting Kansas City game since that home opener against Houston all the way back last season. What a full circle moment. I'm super excited to see how this plays out from or on TV for me from home. I wish I could be there. It's going to be so cool to see some packed stands again, especially against this Houston team, which Kansas City, Sporting Kansas City, cannot ask for a better opponent to play heading into a three-week international break, looking to continue to build off recent momentum, three consecutive wins coming uh, against Vancouver and uh, San Jose and Austin, I believe, were the last three games for them. I mean... Continue the bill. A fourth consecutive win going into a three-week stretch. Right now, Sporting Kansas City sits in second in the Western Conference. They've looked good. Now, the best team they've played has potentially been Orlando City, if, if I'm not wrong. Kind of thinking about, yeah, right now, the best team they've played that's looked consistent have been Orlando City, and that's a 1-1 draw. They've played, and they've done what they're supposed to do against teams they should be beating. They should be beating a team... In Vancouver, Austin, they should be beating. San Jose was um, very uh, in a moment of not weakness, but they weren't playing their best soccer last week. Kansas City is exploiting that, and they are looking good doing it. Of course, a pair of losses. Real Salt Lake was the ugly one. And then at Houston, the first game against Houston, a 1-0 loss earlier in the season. So this is actually the second time these two teams will face off. I think this is the perfect way to go out once again. Looking at Houston's side, 4-3-3, starting with Marco Maric and gold, then Adam Lundqvist at left center back, Boniak Garcia and Tim Parker, the center back tandem, and then Zarek Valentin at right back. Midfield three, Joe Corona, Derek Jones, and Ariel Lassiter. The attacking three, and this is where Sporting Kansas City's got to be careful. Memo Rodriguez at left wing, Maxi Arruti at uh, striker, and Fafa Pico as a right Winger. So I, I look at that Houston team and no name pops out. There is no star player on this Houston team. They have solid MLS quality players, but they don't have an Alan Polito. They don't have a Johnny Russell on this team. They don't have even, I want to call Jean-Luc Abusio a star yet, but he's a very, very good player getting there and he's young. They don't have any player that stands out. For me, the name is Memo Rodriguez. He's been so good, but in this in the style that Houston wants to play, He's playing as a left winger where he's been very effective in the past, at least when I watched Houston, has been more in that attacking central midfield role where he's able to get the ball and pick out passes and be dangerous like that. He's probably Houston's most dangerous player. And and, and that's kind of where I look at for this game. Um, I'll just say way into my first key. For Kansas City, they've got to stop the creativity of Houston's attacking three, especially Memo Rodriguez and Fafa Pico. Maxi Rudy will drop back will drop back into the midfield. He'll go for it. He can score goals. You, you saw that, of course, if you watched the game. The first game against Houston, he had the only goal late on in that game to give Houston three points against Kansas City. But it's also very dangerous to look at the wingers. Fafa Pico, very good as far as cutting in. Memo Rodriguez, I just said, can pick out great passes even on that in that wing position that he was playing um, in, in that formation for Houston, you look at the midfield three, though, nothing really stands out. I think it, it's just going to primarily come with stopping those those three players for Houston. And if that's Graham Zussi or 
Jalen Lindsay or whoever is out there on that right side, just being cognizant of that. Being cognizant of Memo Rodriguez, not letting him get into those spaces, not being too stretched in midfield in that 4-3-3 that Kansas City likes to play. But but yeah, and this is the Houston team coming off a 2-1 win against the Whitecaps. Uh, I talked about them not having really any stars, but solid pieces. And this is a team that likes to attack. They have some defensive pieces, but that midfield does not inspire confidence for me. I think this that is an area Kansas City can easily exploit. Joe Corona, Derek Jones, Ariel Lasseter. That's probably middle tier MLS midfield. If you compare it to Remy Walter, Gianluca Busio, Roger Espinoza, Gotti Kinda, Kansas City wins that category too. And you look at the attack. If Kansas City plays who I think they will, especially if you see Johnny Russell, Adam Polito, that is another match uh, mismatch as far as the two attacking sides go. I think Kansas City is better at numerous positions. And, and I think they'll prove that with all the momentum they're going to get from playing in front of a full house at children's mercy park i'm just so excited thinking about this game i think we'll be more attacking i think there will be lots of chaos in this game i don't think any team will sit too far back i think there will be space for both teams to exploit and it's going to come down to who can do the most with the talent they have now switching over to sporting kansas city looking at that 4-3-3 timelia of course starting in goal felipe martins left back now Kavarad started in the last game against san jose I think Andrea Fontes could start too, but those are two options at left center back for Peter Ramiz. Right center back, you either have Ilya Sanchez there or Nicholas Isamet Marin. Now, this is the last game before the international break, so I wouldn't put it past Peter Ramiz to rest Marin just for an extra three weeks and then playing as full strength of lineup as possible in Portland on June 19th. But I think Nicholas Isamet Marin can start here. I think Kansas City could go full throttle knowing they have three weeks off before their next game. Graham Zussi, of course, at right back or Jalen Lindsay. I think Graham Zussi starts there, though. Midfield, you really can't go wrong. I just I just kind of described it a few minutes ago. Jean-Luca Busio, Gotti Kinda, Roger Espinoza, the midfield three for sporting Kansas City. Always strong. I think they'll play a huge role in this game against Houston. Attacking three. The last game, the three uh, players were Daniel Shallowy, Alan Polito, Kyrie Shelton. Shallowy had a great goal. He is finding his form. Thankfully, if you're a Sporting Kansas City fan, which, of course, if you're listening to this, you probably are. Alan Polito. What else can you say about the man who missed a game coming up due to being called up to Mexico's 23-man provisional roster, I think, for one of the summer competitions? Uh, He's finding form, too. He had a great goal against uh, San Jose, just proving why Kansas City is so high on him, why he's one of the most exciting yet like flying under the radar attacking talents in Major League Soccer because nobody pays attention to Sporting Kansas City, apparently. Kyrie Shelton, just so solid. Like, he does all the hard work in that front three, and, and he's just opening up space, doing the right, making the right reads, making the right plays. He's always a solid player in the Sporting Kansas City attack. So that's what I think the lineup's going to be. You look again, like I said, that 4-3-3. Three, three, I, I fully expect maybe a few of those substitutions for Kansas City to play as strong a lineup as possible. So I can see it going one of the two ways, of course. They either play that really strong lineup or they rest some players knowing that it's just another week of rest in addition to the next few weeks. And I couldn't fault Peter Vermees for going either way with that, especially with the form the team has been in. Daniel Shallowy starts as cool as it would be to see Johnny Russell start. Shallowy looked really good against San Jose. He's in form. He hasn't cost his part in Kansas City any games, really. 
You let him start. Alan Polito, I think, does start this game for sure. Kyrie Shelton, of course, in that midfield. I think you really can't go wrong if you're Peter Vermees in this. Um, You look at, yeah, I, I think if you're Kansas City, you're looking to enter this international break on a on a win streak. Maybe it's a three um three game win streak, I think it was. Maybe the Houston game came in between that, but I do know the last few games, San Jose, Austin, and Vancouver. So I think Houston was in between Austin and Vancouver. I don't know. I'm talking in circles, but anyway, Kansas City would have an opportunity to enter the break on a winning streak and avenge that one nil loss against Houston, one of its only few losses. On the season, I already mentioned stopping the creativity of Houston's attacking three as one of the keys. The other two, this is going to be a full-strength team, hopefully. I think you got to capitalize on the momentum if you're sporting Kansas City. They're playing with a lot of it right now. They have confidence. They're finding the back of the net. Alan Polito's creating dangerous attacking moments. This midfield looks dominant. They look good everywhere for sporting Kansas City. Now, there, of course, there's always going to be weaknesses, but... They have a lot of momentum. I think they've got to build off of that, take advantage of recent wins and really go full um, pedal to the metal against Houston. Third key for me, that movement in the midfield and versati- uh, versatility. John Lucabusio, Gotti Kinder, Roger Espinosa. I'll say it again. It doesn't matter where these guys are in the midfield. There's something new with, with how they kind of rotate. You see a John Lucabusio, does he play as that eight most likely? Or does he sit back in that six as he has before? Roger Espinoza, is he as the eight or a six? Gotti Kinda, all of these, this entire midfield. And then Remy Walter, when he comes in, obviously playing more of a six role for Sporting Kansas City. They can play in so many different positions, and that's a scary thing if you're the opposition. I think they can run circles around that midfield. Three of Joe Corona, Derek Jones, Ariel Lassiter. Alan Pulido dropping back can create some midfield overloads. If you're Sporting Kansas City, I think there's a lot of positive things going into this game against Houston. It should make for a very fun one to watch for neutrals and sporting Kansas City fans alike. So that will do it for me this week. I know it's a little bit of a longer episode, just me talking soccer and all of that for 26 minutes. No audio clips. I know it's long. I hope I was able to be a little bit informative going into a very exciting week, I should say, with sporting Kansas City and KCNWSL. Three total games. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle underscore Pinnell underscore. You can follow the podcast at Soccer at the Zoo. That is Z-O-U. Thank you again for listening. And I will be back Friday to recap the Orlando game, most likely for KCNWSL, and then bring some audio from another week of, of soccer. So until Friday.